Hey, everybody. These are going to be a series of Advent reflections that are based on the readings that we're doing on Sunday for Advent. This first one comes from Tim Keller's book, Hidden Christmas. Uh, the first chapter in there, A Light Has Dawned. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isaiah 9, 2, verses 5 to 7. And this is an excerpt from that chapter titled The Light of Grace. How, though, can this light become ours? Notice it doesn't just say, for to us a child is born. It also says, to us a son is given. It's a gift. It can be yours only if you're willing to receive it as a gift of grace. Verse 5 hints at this too. It speaks of a great battle, but it says every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. This imagery means that the great victory over evil will not require our strength. We won't need a warrior's boot. We won't need armor or a sword. Melt them down. Burn them up. Someone else will do your fighting for you. Who? Isaiah doesn't tell us here. You have to wait until you get into the servant songs of Isaiah 42 through 55, where the prophet points to a mysterious deliverer who is to come. About him, it is said, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. When we trust in Christ's work on our behalf, rather than our own moral efforts, God forgives and accepts us and implants his Holy Spirit in us to renew us from the inside out. This great salvation, this light that flashes upon you with all its new life, truth, and beauty comes as a gift. The only way you can receive it is to admit it's an undeserved grace. Christmas is about receiving presents, but consider how challenging it is to receive certain kinds of gifts. Some gifts, by their very nature, make you swallow your pride. Imagining opening a present on Christmas morning from a friend, and it's a dieting book. And then you take off another ribbon and wrapper, and you find it's another book from a friend titled Overcoming Selfishness. If you say to them, thank you so much, you are in a sense admitting, for indeed, I am fat and obnoxious. In other words, some gifts are hard to receive because to do so is to admit you have flaws and weaknesses and you need help. Perhaps on some occasions, you have had a friend who figured out you were in financial trouble 
and came to you and offered you a large sum of money to get you out of your predicament. If that has ever happened to you, you probably found that to receive that gift meant to swallow your pride. There's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God Himself could save us. That means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a good and moral life. To accept the true Christmas gift, you have to admit you're a sinner. You need to be saved by grace. You need to give up control of your life. That is descending lower than any of us really wants to go. Yet, Jesus Christ's greatness is seen in how far down he came to love us. Your spiritual regeneration and eventual greatness will be achieved by going down the same path. He descended into greatness, and the Bible says it's only through repentance that you come into his light. C.S. Lewis puts it perfectly. In the incarnation, he says, we catch sight of a new key principle, the power of the higher. Just insofar as it is truly higher to come down, the power of the greater to include the less. Everywhere the greater enters the little, its power to do so is almost the test of its greatness. In the Christian story, God comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down further still. If embryologists are right, to recapitulate in the womb ancient and pre-human phases of life, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. But he goes down to come up again and to bring the whole ruined world up with him. One may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with a splash, vanished, rushing down through the green, warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, then up again, back to the color and light, his lungs almost bursting, till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover. When Jesus died on the cross, darkness fell over the land, Matthew twenty-seven forty-five. The light of the world descended into darkness in order to bring us into God's beautiful light, 1 Peter 2, 9. The promises of Christmas cannot be discerned unless you first admit you can't save yourself or even know yourself without the light of His unmerited grace in your life. This is the foundational truth from which we can proceed to learn the hidden meaning of Christmas.